0: good to be here tonight i was not here last week and it's so good to be here instead of there to be here and praising god and worshiping and praying with god's people instead of circumstances that we found ourselves in last week but i believe that we are here donna and i are here today because of prayer and it's your faithful prayers that god has responded to and he has given a great um, work of healing and strengthening. It's not over yet um, but uh, I praise God that uh, my wife could be here today and that's a testimony to, to your prayers and to God working through those prayers. Tonight I want to share with you as a personal note that um, um, in Psalm 56 this is I turned to the Psalms as I was praying uh, for Donna during this situation. And uh, God gave me several of them I want to share with you tonight. Because it has to do with prayer and um, reaching out to God as we face our desperate uh, circumstances. We know that we can go to him. And uh, we express, as we mentioned before, Psalms express the... um, the, uh, the roller coaster that this life is, and how uh, we reach out to God and we find our hope and our, our trust in Him, and we agonize in, in certain, certain um, uh, situations. So, Psalm 56, a couple verses there. Um, verse 3 and 4. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you, in God, whose word I praise, in God I trust. I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? I noticed the psalm. Do you notice the subtle difference? He first starts about. Starts off saying. When I am afraid. Acknowledging that there's times when he's afraid. And then in there he says. I will not be afraid. It's kind of like a double talk. But it's true. We have both sides of those. We have times when we face things. That we fear. And we are afraid. And. He tells us how we ought to respond during those times. And he also tells us that we are not to be afraid. Or in other words, we're not to live in those fears because of who we trust and and how we trust. So when I am afraid, we we acknowledge those human experiences that um, take us through life that causes us to fear. When I am afraid. Now what does he do? I put my trust in you. So I prayed that to the Lord, prayed back his word, and uh, uh, just see uh, God ministering through that. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust. It is a truth, and it is a good reminder of who we pray to, and that he is worthy of our trust. So the psalmist is, in essence, preaching to himself in god i trust that's why i won't be ruled by my fear and that's what i won't be afraid of it doesn't mean that nothing won't ever scare me it's like i won't be ruled by that fear because i'm ruled by the lord and i i come to acknowledge how great he is that i cannot hang on to him and hang on to this fear at the same time if i do i'm saying he's only equal to my fear he's far greater anything that I can face he's far he is capable of carrying me through anything that I can face so he says in God I trust I shall not be afraid then he gets the right perspective what can flesh do to me <coughs> David was facing trouble from enemies human beings and he would he remind himself what can they do to me but it's even more than that Job faced trouble from not human beings remember it was Satan who was afflicting him and he still could say what can they do to me except what God is, is orchestrating and measuring out so I'm still in God's hands verse 8 of that chapter you have kept count of my tossings put my tears in your bottle are they not in your book it's a reminder that God knows the experiences that we go through and the hurts and the sufferings and the challenges that we face. He says he's kept count of our tossing. What's a tossing? You know, you fret in, in the bed and you turn and you wrestle and you, you you can't sleep, right? He's kept count of those. He knows every moment that you and I have tossed, we have fretted. He knows every uh, all the misleep that we have <laughs> he knows all of it and it says he's kept my tears in your bottle if you look in revelation you will see revelation has this image of the the tears of the saints being bottled up by god and being kept by him as something that is precious In other words, he doesn't disregard our suffering. He's very much aware, and he doesn't ignore it. And so, Revelation, I'm glad it comes out in Revelation, because what he's saying is, remember all those tears? Remember all that turmoil, all the suffering, people not treating you well? I'm going to take care of it. (laughs) That's what he's saying in Revelation. Here it comes. I've been bottling this up and waiting to handle it, and to pour out my judgment on those who have afflicted my people. And I'm going to do it now. Revelation is that time when he's doing that. Until then, we can note that God has not ignored it. One of the saddest things is to suffer and feel like nobody cares. Nobody even pays attention. As I was going through the week, you know, I would, I would go through different things where people wouldn't know me. And, 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 and I would think they they have no idea what's in my mind or what's going through and that's true but that's not true with God he knows our every thought he knows every expression he knows every hurt all the suffering uh, the full weight of it he knows not only does he knows he's measured so it's important to him he's kept he's saved and it's precious to him a couple other verses Take a look at <clears throat> verse 10. In God, whose word I praise, in the Lord, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? Again, three, the same as the other verse before. He's reminding himself of who God is, that God is greater than anything that he can encounter. And he's reminding himself, he's preaching to himself. We need to preach to ourselves, don't we? Um, He says, in God whose word I praise. This is one who knows God's word. Um, I'm glad during Sunday school, uh, our wrap-up session, that we've been challenged to memorize God's word. Because it's God's word that reminds us. When we've memorized it, we're reminded of his truth. It will not leave us if we've captured it that way. And it's important for us to capture it i have my phone and i have it just about everywhere i go but the fact is the batteries can run low can't they and i won't be able to pull up that app that has the bible on it right and so batteries can run low uh uh, we can we can we need to again hide it in our mind and, and remember god's truth and god's word even as i was at the hospital and i was going through this i'm like lord what's your word of comfort I began to go through some of the things that I have read in the Psalms before and it was it was a comfort to me verse 12 I must perform my vows to you O God I will render thank offerings to you so the psalmist is saying I'm looking forward to I'm giving thanks to God now for what he's about to do even before he does it I'm looking forward to what he's going to do I know God gives me peace and oh God gives me victory I'm looking forward to to that. Then he goes in verse 12, verse 13. For you have delivered my soul from death. Yes, my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. The purpose of God delivering us from trials is that we might serve him and give him glory. And so my prayer is, Lord, help me to give you glory. Think about it. God's going to get the glory whether he delivers us or not. Think about Christ on the cross. God did not deliver him from the cross, did he? Why? Because he's delivering us through the cross. Something that Jesus had to go through. God was going to get the glory out of Jesus' life whether he gave immediately, immediate earthly deliverance or not. And so that's my prayer, too, is that, Lord, if you decide not to step in in this circumstance, may you be glorified and may I seek your glory through your purpose and your will, not just the way I want the prayer answered, but that all that in all things we might glorify you. Look at a few, um, just a, a few others. 57 first three verses be merciful to me O God be merciful to me sometimes in, just in the depth of, of my emotion and, and, and challenge that's all I can say <laughs> help me Lord be merciful to me God pour out your grace on my wife help her during this time so Be merciful to me, O oh God. Be merciful to me. For in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings I will take refuge till the storms of destruction pass by. Is that a beautiful picture? He didn't say the storms of destruction are canceled. He says till they pass by. So we often have to go through. And God He's our refuge. He protects us during those storms. Not to just eliminate them, but to do, to, to protect us. Verse 2, I cry out to God most high. He's reminding himself who he's praying to. I'm not just speaking into empty air. I cry out to God most high. I'm not crying out to a God that's sort of powerful. (laughs) I'm crying out to God most high. To God who fulfills his purpose for me. I like that. As I think about Jesus. Some of our suffering. God allows. Suffering. um, Even unpleasant things. Are are God's purpose in our life. And we don't always understand that. But we do need to understand that. God is fulfilling his purpose. For me. And all that he does. Verse 3, he will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame him who tramples on me. God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. Steadfast love, faithfulness. You can summarize that in a couple different ways. His grace. God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. He will ultimately do what is for our good and for his glory, and they go hand in hand. And I can rest in that. Praise God for his word. Praise God for him and his deliverance and knowing that we rest comfortably in his hand. Good evening, Saints.
1: If Nahum is a book of God's wrath, is it. a little bit different than that. It's a conversation between God and his prophet. The thing that I love about the prophets is you get a unique perspective of God through the relationships that these men have with God. And each one is unique. Brought a prophecy against the city of Nineveh. It's a sequel in some ways to Jonah, who brought a prophecy also against the city of Nineveh. And they repented then. But they did in Nahum. So Habakkuk is interesting because he asks questions that we often ask and that people think that challenge our religion. He says, questions from God's prophet. General question of why is he seeing evil right now? Why is he seeing evil? It's a good question for us, especially as we live in this city. We were talking about evil. It was funny. Me and my dad was listening to my uncle and one of our friends talking about why they saw some of the evil in Milwaukee, and they had every reason except for man's sin. We were just talking about different things. Somebody said, well, you know, one part of the city and city, see somebody really rich, and one part see somebody really poor. It made me marvel that that there even be an excuse for why somebody would drive through a red light. I think we know that that's not the answer. People have excuses, but in the end of the day, people have to make individual decisions to do evil. In our society, we are a society that searches for excuses. Sometimes if we're not careful, we can get caught up in that game, or we make excuses for many different things. But I'll note that when we look at the sin in our city, let's not put it on anything other than the individual human choices that lead to that sin. Well, you know, it just has to do with, they don't, you got got to realize that they don't have a mother and father like you, you had. Well, I don't disagree with that. But But we only think of sexual sin as an STDs and things like that, but how often do we think of sexual sin as leading to child abuse, leading to child neglect? leading to poverty, leading to not being able to provide for your family, leading to joblessness, lack of educational opportunity. How do you go to college if you're pregnant and you have two other kids that are not being cared for? You can't. Your sin has cut off your opportunity. That's not the white man. That's you. it's hard to see. like Habakkuk is looking at it with excuses though. He's looking at it, he's just seeing this stuff and he just recognizes it for what it is. And he's asking, God, what are you doing about it? What does the Lord say? Look among the nations and see. Wonder and be astounded. For I'm doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. For behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, who march through the breath of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are dreaded and fearsome. Their justice and dignity go forth for themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards, more fierce than the evening wolves. Their horsemen press proudly on. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an evil, swift to devour. They all come for violence, all their faces forward. They gather captives like sand. At kings, they scoff. And at rulers, they laugh. They laugh at every fortress. For they pile up earth and take it. Then they sweep by like the wind and go on. Guilty men whose own might is their God. What's God's answer? But the judgment is coming. You don't see it, but the judgment is coming. And we'll follow up on this next week because Habakkuk doesn't like that answer either. And we don't often like that answer either. But when you see sin, it leads to natural consequences that we don't like to see. I don't like to see somebody that's a great-grandmother at the age of 40. And you shouldn't either. I hear stories that bother me all the time. I heard of a story of crazy sexual encounter between 12-year-olds. This is not in Milwaukee, this is in Racine. Happened to somebody that knew that were, That was one of his daughters who was involved. No thought of it is what, what gets into the mind of somebody to think that that's the way to go about it. Then how do you recover from that, right? If you're 12 and that's your first experience, where do you go from there? We have people doing all kind of crazy stuff that it literally there's no recovery from. You know what I mean? People think that they're going out there and they're just doing something once, and it's like I, I wonder. Do you realize you're messing your life up forever? We got kids in the suburbs trying heroin. We got kids in the city driving crazy and they run over a kid. They didn't think that they was going to kill anybody when they did that. They do that all the time, right? If somebody did it once, that's the 50th time they did that. They didn't think they were going to kill anybody. They didn't think they were going to go to prison. Sin brings its own judgment. Sin consumes itself. If you look in Revelations... In the book of Revelations, there's a chapter about the fall of Babylon. And if you really read it really closely, you realize that Babylon destroys her soul. Sin is destructive. And the thing that's funny about Satan is, at the height of his power, with all his evil, all his evil does not allow him to keep his kingdom together. How do you keep a kingdom together when nobody is trustworthy? Everybody lies. Everybody seeks their own pleasure. Everybody seeks their own power. How does it hold together? There could be one guy like that at the top, but everybody can't be like that, right? Satan's kingdom destroys itself. Sin destroys the user, no matter what sin that may be. Whether that be drugs, whether that be sex, whether that be food, whether that be political power, it could be anything. But the sin destroys the user. And that's the same with Israel. Israel would destroy itself through its own sin. So we'll look next week at Habakkuk's response to that. He doesn't like that. What's your, what's your response to that? What is God doing? He's bringing judgment. in the day, right? So it doesn't keep happening. Here's a thing that's scary about that thought too, Chris, and it's this. The idea that you're going to repent later means that you're living a lie right now. And what that means is you don't trust the word that you need to repent right now. What is salvation based off of? It's believing in God's word. You're saying by your actions you don't believe God's word. To think that you're magically going to be able to turn that around at some magical moment, that's like I saw lots of times in playing sports. Somebody be a gifted athlete, and they would dog it the whole game. And then in the last minute, they want to play furiously. You're down by 20. It's too late. And I don't think people realize that God has a clock. And just because you have life doesn't mean you have chance. And obey, right? It's a full intention to obey. Be conformed, but be transformed. (laughs) Yep. Yep. You know what? That's everybody that's on their way to hell. That's why you need to let that dog die and become a new dog, right? <laughs> Amen. All right. Well, let me turn it over to, I think your brother Lawrence, are you going to do the next? Oh, and.
0: Good evening, to
2: everybody. It's good seeing Mrs. Kenner here today. Fitting on a Wednesday, too, after much prayer has gone up for her. good that it was a, a day we devote to prayer. Um, today what I want to pray about is, um, on Sunday, Jeremy gave us a very good challenge. Um, I think that our church is under an attack from within, um, with people being lax with faithfulness. Um, you were all here Sunday, you heard what Jeremy said, so I don't need to repeat it. But what I want to focus in our prayer time today is I want to focus on just putting up prayer the people that are getting lax in their attendance here, people that don't think Wednesday's important, don't think Sunday night's important, they don't have a specific ministry, they're not coming in, all of those kind of things. It it hurts the body. Um, So what I want to do is just want to focus a prayer on that. We'll have a couple people pray, and then I will close this up. Lord, we just lift up your people. We lift up this church. We just um, lift up the hearts of some of the people who feel that all they need to do is show up Sunday and check their box that they came. Lord, we ask that you just burden their hearts, burden their hearts with their need to be a part of this ministry and be a part of this ministry when we are all here meeting together. That we ask that you just grow them, help them grow and realize the importance. Of being grounded in your word, the importance of fellowship with your people, um, that church isn't just about them and their ministry, but it's about coming to study your word and being with your people, praying for your people, praying for the things in the city, um, the many things we do in all of these services, Lord, the growth that that allows. We just ask that you um, just work in their hearts, Lord. You know who those people are. You know who the people that need more growth is. We ask that you work with us. Help us um, have the, the eyes and the ears to know these people and to work with these people and come us alongside them and help our brothers and sisters. Help them grow, Lord, and continue to um, strengthen our body here, Lord, as, um, as we know that we, we are moving towards these end days that the strength of your people um, will be tested more. It's been tested now with the many illnesses in this church, with the many financial struggles, and it's going to get harder. And the people that we are going to be able to fall upon are your people, the fellow believers. And we just pray for those people who feel that they only need minimal time here, that they will be the ones hurt the most. They will be the ones that will be the most disconnected from all of us to be able to get that aid from us, Lord, and get that uplifting and get that message, Lord. So we just ask that you just be with our church. Help our church strengthen and help our church grow. In your name we pray.